get out of the mindset that you have to be rich to invest. Have you heard the word investing and thought, that's not for me because it's too risky, expensive, difficult, you know, whatever. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's wrong. Today, you're going to learn why investing is so important for building wealth and how anyone can do it simply. It's about as simple as putting money into a savings account. Over the last 10 years, I've made enough money by saving and investing a little bit every month that I could now stop working for five years if I wanted and I'd be okay. I mean, I'd have absolutely nothing left at the end of it, but I probably would have had a good time. So today, we're gonna to sit down with Kalpana Fitzpatrick, digital editor of Money Week and author of Invest Now, and we're gonna to explain to you how you can get started with investing the very basics, which is all most people need anyway. Invest now, you Invest know, now. it's just do it. There you go. Yeah. I Real really good. enjoyed that. <laughs> very satisfying. What would you say is your worst ever investment? Um, so my worst ever investment, yeah. I would say actually is not investing at all. Oh, um, good answer. So, that's a yeah, good answer. That's my answer to that. So yeah, I, I, something I wish I'd started like at very, young age, as soon as I started working, in fact, it, like when I started work at age 16, um, working in a shoe shop as a Saturday job too. And I'd spend some of it and I'd put some of it into a bank account, which is fine. It was still good. But I feel like if I'd started investing then, it would have been a lot better and um, I'd given my money the chance to grow a lot more. But no one told me about it. Um, or they did, but they told me about it in quite a negative way. So I thought, okay, that's not for me. And that was it. Probably people that don't invest themselves as well. So it's like, yeah. well, it was, well, one of those people was my dad. <laughs> um, you know, he told me, don't do that stuff. No, that's not, that's not for us. Just put your money in a bank account. It's safe, it's sound, and that was it. So it's so interesting that's what you, I did. you say that. My, um, my parents, like my, dad, my dad's in oil and gas and my mum's a doctor, and they never once taught me or my siblings about investing. They were always, always like, get a good mm. job, work hard, save your money. And now my sister's buying property and like my brother's investing. And we were like, why did you never tell us about investing? And I think it might be the generational thing or just they just wanted to focus on like getting good jobs and stable. Yeah. But, um, I definitely say my worst investment was not investing in Facebook shares when I had the chance and <laughs> Apple shares when I had the chance. But then I, but now talk I about the real everything. money. Talk, yeah. Come on, stop, oh, stop no. ducking don't, around. Don't it. make me expose myself. <laughs> so I think that that kind of um, scarred me a bit because I miss, I hate missing out on opportunities. So now I just go into everything. Yeah. Um, so I work in cryptocurrency and my worst investment. I put 8,000 into my friend's project and it's now worth about five pounds. So, um, because I don't want to miss out on opportunities. Buy, <laughs> buy the dip. So now's a great time to buy apparently. No, right. um, because I don't like to miss opportunities. I tend to go into very risky ones because I think it's going to make me a millionaire overnight. So I think I need to kind of find a nice little balance. And I think that kind of like gets us into the episode quite nicely because I think there's like a common misconception around it being yeah. gambling. So yeah. I just want to introduce you first of all, if that's okay, okay Kalpana. Yeah. So you're the digital editor of Money Week, is yep, that right? And you wrote, you wrote a book, which we've got a copy of here, Invest Now. So <laughs> what, yeah, one of the, one of the, the starts of the book around these myths. And I think that's kind of what holds people back a lot from investing. And Tomain just touched on it there about trying to get, you know, rich quickly or going into speculative investments. Can you just tell us kind of why people shouldn't see investing as gambling? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned the myths first, because I feel that is one of the biggest barriers when it um, comes to investing. Um, 
everyone I spoke to just say, oh, I don't do it because it's it's like gambling. Mm-hmm. It's not gambling. Um, or I'm not rich enough to do it. And you don't need a lot of money to get started. So that's quite an important message. And um, yeah, and also how do you get started? Because it's really complex. And it's also um, this perception that it's going to make you rich quick it's about getting rich slowly so i'm i'm going to go back on the taking the high risks and actually it's all about doing it quite sensibly but knowing how to do it sensibly and not expecting an overnight fortune that's not how it works in terms of it's not gambling gambling is like you know you go into you make a bet against something you either win or lose when you're investing you're putting your money into a company a business in hope to get something back so you know that business is going to try and do well and when it does well you get a share of that and that's how it works so yeah so I'd say yeah and also it's really important as, as well like there's a lot of taboo around money it's something you don't talk about we didn't learn it at school especially investing and as I said my dad told me not to do it he obviously he meant well and he actually he did start me off on a very strong ground by putting my money into savings accounts and that was still good but I felt like this is a the next level of making your money work for you and that's what investing is all about where you do you know you work day to day you spend your money you work you save it but investing allows your money to sit somewhere and allow it to grow so it's growing while you're sleeping and um, yeah so it's 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 simple and one thing I would say is when people think about um, investing, one thing they do think about is, oh, I need to go and buy loads of stocks and, mm-hmm. you know, think about which companies I'm going to buy, which ones I need to sell. And I really want to make it clear that that's not what investing is about. You don't necessarily need to go and look for individual companies. It's about putting your money into specific funds, which gives you exposure to loads of companies. And that's what's so good about investing is that you're not relying on one company doing well. So we, we spoke about Apple earlier. Whether Apple does well or not, you're not relying on just Apple. Um, if you invest in a fund that has exposure to the FTSE 100, say you're getting exposure to the entire FTSE 100 there as well. So yeah, it's, it's about the route that you take and knowing how to do it properly as well is so important. I think the thing that I say to people that are new investors to try and frame it to them is, if I said you've got to cook a meal, you don't have to be a Michelin star chef to kind of feed yourself. And I think a lot of people, the, the media perception of investors is we're looking at the Michelin star chefs and saying, this is this is cooking when it's not really. Whereas there's certain investments that are essentially ready meals that you can, you know, just pick up off the shelf and consume that that will that do the job very well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm quite sensible when it comes to investing. And that's the message that I really like to put across in my book is to do it safely and do it the right way. Um, so there is that no, you know, I'm going to lose all my money overnight. Actually, it's just growing, sitting there growing slowly. And, um, but it's quite important that you, you, you have the vision that it's a long-term thing. So not an overnight, um, return of fortune. It's not about that. It could take five years. It could take 10 years. It could take 15 years, but this is something that you're building for your future, whether you want to maybe retire early or, um, you know, planning to save for your children, if you've got children or, you, you know, there's some major life goal that you've got in the future that you want to achieve and this is the way to get started so you might say 25 pound a month 50 pound a month whatever it is you have to work out what's affordable for you i think one thing from your book that that will help kind of bring this to life because i know people are going to sit there and go why wouldn't i just keep my money in cash because why would i take any risk with the money you know i'll just earn money put it in cash is it this the 72 rule that you've so could you explain that to us? And I'll kind explain, of- what I'll do, let me explain the, why you shouldn't leave it just in a savings yeah. account because people listening might be thinking first is, 
well, what's wrong with putting money in a savings account? I'm saving, that's still good. So, the, and I, I put it in my book as, you know, cash is making you poor. Essentially, leaving money in your cash in itself is a risk. So when you put money in a bank account, you get a set interest rate and that's fine. That's still good for your short-term um, savings and everyone should have some sort of short-term savings, whether that's your emergency fund or short-term goals that you're going to spend in a year or two. That's absolutely important. But that interest rate is lower than the rate of inflation. Mm -hmm. So let's say if inflation was 2% and the interest rate was 2%, the actual real rate of return on your savings is zero. Yeah, you're standing still. So yeah, so with with investing, actually you can, there's a potential to beat that inflation and you also benefit from compound interest, which is, you know, interest on interest where your money's growing at a faster rate. Um, So that's really important. Now, the rule of 72 is about, you know, people might often used to ask me, how, how do I double my money? Because that's my ambition. I just want to double what I've got. I've got 10,000. When will it turn to 20,000? So it's a, a really simple rule that kind of gives you a guideline because obviously nothing's um, guaranteed in life. It never is. And um, so say if you, um, I'm trying to find the simplest way to explain this without a chart. Um, say if you put, the idea is that you, you know, you if you had um, an interest rate of 3%, and so basically you would divide 72 divided by three and that's how long it would take you to double your money. Yeah. So if it was 1%, so 72 divided by one, it'd take you 72 years to double your money. So if you're getting so, 1% on cash, yeah. it's going to take you 72 years so to double your So the idea is the more you can earn, the faster the, you can the double the your rate. money. Yeah. This is a really simple rule to kind of give you a little bit of a vision about how your money might double over time. It's not guaranteed because obviously one thing that, it's really important also to highlight is the understanding that stock market has its ups and ups and downs. So we've seen the FTSE reach a record high this week at the time of speaking. And prior to that, it was quite low and it's, it's had its ups and downs. It's been a difficult year for investors. And again, that's sort of looping back to why it's a long-term thing because you need to give the market time to ride those ups and downs and eventually you'll see an upside. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, really important to understand that because I remember when people during the pandemic when a lot of investments may have seen um, go down and com- you know companies weren't doing so well I, I I remember people phoning me and saying oh do you know what like oh my investments are oh, they're doing really bad I'm, I'm taking my money out that's it I'm done mistake yeah. <laughs> and it's just really having that patience and that understanding more than anything understanding with it it's always different as well when it's the money's on the line because I think you kind of need to go through a few ups and downs before you start to become used to them like you you spoke about the example of the when when it dipped in 2020 around march because of the pandemic i cancelled to buy in the house at that point to put all my money into the market and my mom was like you are insane and i was like mom it google's dropped 30 percent or whatever in a few a few weeks there's no way that business is 30 percent less impactful as it is now but i'd seen you know the 08 crash how much that had come down and how much it recovered and i'd missed that because naively at the time i was like oh it's clearly quite risky. So I think over time, people, you become more used to the risk. Yeah. And if you were to see the charts, I mean, you know, you could go, speaking of Google, look at some charts and you'll see the ups and downs of the stock market. It's 
the, the my message is that that is normal yeah. and to understand that is normal. It's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, exactly. And you've just got to have that understanding that that is normal. I also think it's important that for people to realize they don't need to be an expert to invest. I think most people think, oh, I've got to become a master at this topic. When in reality, I would say master your field, your craft, you know, whatever you do, like, yeah. and just put your money to work in the stock market long term. Don't think I need to be Warren Buffett in order to play this game. You know, be yeah. the Warren Buffett of mechanics or whatever it is you do with your day job. Yeah. And I think that distinction then kind of leads us onto the question of, you've mentioned like individual stocks, individual businesses, and then these index funds, which are a lot more passive and broad. Where do, where do you, if you're a brand new investor, what are you saying to them in terms of that relationship between stocks and index um, funds? Yeah. I mean, essentially a fund gives you um, an exposure, like I said, to a number of companies and with passive funds, essentially they mirror a certain index and it might mirror the FTSE 100. So when the FTSE 100 is up, your your so investments top 100 become, companies yeah, in England. Top 100 companies in the UK, yes. And, um, and any index that you choose. And it's, it's, they're quite popular with investors. We've act, the opposite of that is active funds where you're paying a slightly higher fee for your investments to be managed by a human. And um, what they will do is loads of research and essentially stock pick what goes into your portfolio, etc. They don't always get it right. And they don't always, just because it costs more, or just because there's a human like picking these investments for you doesn't necessarily mean they're going to deliver higher returns. So anyone starting out, I would say passive funds are definitely a great way to get started. And in terms of what we're saying about stock pickers, it's also like really important, like people think they do need to be traders. And I remember having a conversation with someone once and they said, oh, I don't do the investing stuff. And um, it's I just don't have time. And I didn't know what she meant. I thought, what do you mean you don't have time? It's it's about as simple as putting money into a savings account as far as I'm concerned. Um, once you get started, just, you know, you're there. She's like, well, I can't really, I haven't got time to really monitor my phone and check prices and when I need to buy and sell. And I thought, that leave that to the de- the traders. That's their job. You know, they've got a team behind them. They're doing research, etc. You don't need to do that. Um, it's a long-term game, you know, buy and hold and, you know, let your money grow over time. But if you are going to buy loads of individual stocks, it's probably also not enough to help you grow your wealth. And this is all about, I imagine if you're listening to this and reading about investing, etc., your ambition is to grow your wealth, right? Or maybe go to the moon, um, as <laughs> it, I don't know. Um, what, whatever your ambition is, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to happen with one or two stocks here, but you probably want a wider exposure. And it also comes down to diversification and, you know, not taking on too much risk. Um, because if you invest in just one company, you are at the mercy of that company doing well and delivering. So you've mentioned active fund managers, but as you say, even they get it wrong over a long period of time. Most of them don't beat the market, you know, in terms of just yep. the, what they look to be. I think over a 30 year period, you can probably count on a couple on one hand or two hands, yeah. the, 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 the so-called experts that beat the market. But it seems wrong that someone could go, it seems so complicated investing. And then you go, actually, all you need is five minutes a month to, to buy this thing that's relatively passive and easy that just tracks a load of companies for you. And that, that will serve you well long-term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's exactly it. And um, it's just... Um, just getting started, I think, is the hardest part. And I yeah. would always say to anyone, people do feel nervous, and rightly so. It's, it is, you know, the industry hasn't made it easy for anyone to get started. But I feel like that's changing. changing. I see investment ads on television, and that never used to happen. And it's becoming more mainstream. It's 
also about the trust i've had comments to made to me is like well they're probably going to steal all my money and I'm like, what makes you think that and it's because you know i don't i've never heard of them who are they well it's quite simple if you're really nervous about it do your research check up the company go on the fca's website which is a financial regulator make sure they're on there and also it's probably worth knowing that if you before you start putting money into loads of places quite a simple move is also just if you haven't made the use of your ISA put it in an ISA stocks and shares ISA the most simple basic thing to get started with would be that and also you know that means your whatever you make from that money is free from the tax man so we don't want the tax man touching your money do we no, definitely <laughs> not. No, you've got none left, though. <laughs> 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 I definitely don't want him you touching your that as a I loss. think I owe him some money, to yeah. be honest. No, you can harvest that as a loss. So, oh, yeah, you know, I've, I've got enough losses yeah. to show him, so yeah. I should be all right. So if if we just if we just hone in on it, because the, the index fund thing is like, it, if you're saying just get started, it, it's great for that because it's like, I would much rather bet on the fact that the top 500 businesses in America are going to know how to make money more than I would, you know, like I think that they're probably better at doing that than I am. So the one thing though is as people approach this, they're going to see FTSE 100, S&P 500, VWRL, all of these codes and names that it's another layer of confusion, isn't it? How are you approaching that from a beginner perspective? Um, again, I would. I just want to reel back to saying that you don't really need to be an expert. And a lot of people, you know, they might say, "What is the FTSE 100?" And um, I mean, Google is fantastic for yeah, you, know, you can answering. Go Google, it, Google yeah. it, and yeah. um, you'll know what the FTSE 100 is. And it's 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 a learning curve. It's education. We didn't learn it at school. And it's it is really if you don't know what the FTSE 100 is, and you really want to know, I'm not saying ignore it and don't go and learn about it. Just, you FTSE just have to read about basically it. Basically, the top 100 companies, if one of them starts doing badly, top 100 companies in the UK, if one of them goes bankrupt or starts losing money, they fall out and then another one replaces them? Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's the, it can move. It so is, it's I, like I can't remember which list. one's at the top, but yeah. you know, um, yeah, it can, it, can, it can move. Whichever one becomes at the top can move. Usually you get um, like a top how, five. Without looking kind at all the air. other countries like the front, like the CAC and all these other countries, just sticking with England. <laughs> If, what's the difference? How do you know if you go FTSE 100 or FTSE 250? Because like, what what's the benefits? Um, it, the, I mean, it's where you want to invest. If you want to know what's in the FTSE 100, I'd just go onto the London Stock Exchange website. It's all listed there. And um, you, it's quite, you know, it's, it's sim- really simple. Just you'll go on there and have a look. Yeah, you you'll know. see. And, um, Vodafone and BP. Yeah, and I, think, you- I can't remember which one was at the top last time I looked, and but it was one of those. So yeah, just go onto the London Stock Exchange and have a look if you're really interested in knowing what's in the FTSE 100. Also, when you open your investment account, when you... Be, if you you know a fund that you might pick so you might pick one that's literally you know S&P 500 I don't know whichever you pick you can actually find out from even from your investment platform what's what your, where your money's got, um, been invested so it's just a case of having a little dig around and looking at the paperwork linked to your account and it depends how much interest you want to take um, one thing you know people are genuinely interested and that's great if if it's going to confuse you and what I would understand it, you might end up finding you're holding yourself back. Yeah. So try not to get too bogged down. If, 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 if it's just a case of, look, I just don't understand it and I want to know that's great. But if it's like you're looking at it and it ends up confusing you and it ends up being a barrier, then that's not a good thing. Yeah. We but sp- I'm not, I'm not against 
education at door obviously it's really important that everyone learns and finds out as much as they can yeah we spoke to andrew craig and he taught he wrote the book like how to own the world and the message is there that the majority of people should just diversify across everything because no one really knows what's going to happen so you, you you spread in your bets yeah and i think these questions of FTSE 100 or FTSE 250 or the S&P 500, you can eliminate that by just buying a global index fund, which is yep. all the businesses everywhere, you know? So you're you're buying thousands of businesses across the whole world. I've been investing over a decade now. And the longer I do it, the more I just think, I should probably just buy a global index. Yeah. yeah. And- you haven't done it yet. I, no, I do. No, what I'm saying is I thought as I became a more sophisticated investor, that I would go more into individual businesses and become more competent. And actually I've just realized over time that the the, the beginner option of just buy everything is actually the one that yeah. served me best because the best thing that I can do is just buy it, leave it, kind of forget about it long yeah, term. Absolutely. And and that's that's another thing you can do. And you, you don't necessarily have to even have one fund. You can have two or three. Yeah. I would say to someone don't have too many because then it becomes hard to manage and you don't know what's going on and you know, it can get quite confusing. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's like going to the gym in the sense of someone will be like, oh, a bench press or an incline or a decline. When in reality, if you just do that consistently over a long period of time, you, you're probably going to be in good shape. And I think yeah. it's, it's similar with investing. It's not this analysis paralysis of thinking, what is the very best thing that I can buy? It's more the, the action of showing up consistently over a long period of time. Yeah, absolutely. And that consistency message is really important as well. I mean, if you're going to say you're going to invest and you do a small lump sum now and then you forget about it, then I'm not saying that's a bad thing because it's whatever you can afford. But even if it's ad hoc, but just try and do it consistently, small amounts if if that's what works for you. Some little amount each month. And, um, you know, that way you can sort of take advantage of the ups and the downs of the market. Um, so, yeah, it's really, I think that's just consistency is key. And I love the analogy about, you know, linking it back to exercise. Actually, it's just about being consistent and seeing results over time. I'm, I talk about my apple tree in my garden and talk about how um, some years it does really well bit like the stock market and other years it doesn't but on the whole i get quite a lot of apples from that tree so yeah. i'm quite happy and it's fruitful so I, I i don't know if you can relate that to investing i think you can no, if you think of it in some yeah, sort yeah. of way to um you know not every year is going to be perfect and not every return is going to be perfect but it's you know i water that tree i look after it and, uh, and then yeah. it looks after you yeah and it looks after me over time yeah yeah the same it's the <laughs> Too same many like, apples yeah not every not every t- day in the gym is a good one, but you, you just consistently show up and you see the results over time and you can't ever pin it down to like, it was that day in the gym that made me fit. It's, yeah, exactly. it's, it's the habit of going consistently. And I think what people need to do with investing is kind of relate it to things in their life, like cooking and the gym and these habits that we have that are good for us long-term that people understand because it is just that. It's just, yeah. it's all these wrappers of jargon and barriers around it that make it seem more yeah, complicated. Yeah, i say than it cut needs out the noise. It's, mm. There's just so much noise around it. And also- Get out of the mindset that you have to be rich to invest. I hear that so many times. Someone will say, I really, lo-, you know, they'll read an article. I loved your article. It's a shame I don't have enough money to invest. And like, you, actually, you know, you, if you can find a few pounds per month, then you've, you, you've got enough money to invest. It's it's really can be as simple as that, or it can be as complicated as you want it to be, or as simple as you want it to be. So, I think let's, 
we've obviously spoken about how simple it is. Uh, I want to now talk about kind of like the effect that it can have in terms of the, the compounding over the long term. I'm going to whip up a compound interest calculator because okay, I don't, you do I don't it want because anyone's... I cannot mention those big numbers. No, 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 I, don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. So I mean, you can just give me a second while we while we bring this up. I think if we base it on investing in like a global index fund, which is just a, a, a fund that buys thousands of companies spread all over the world at once. And we look at an amount. I mean, what what do we say is a norm, an amount that someone could invest, guys? Hit me with a figure. £100 a month, £50 yeah, a month. Yeah, that sounds decent to me. And we go with an average rate of return pre-inflation of 9%. It's important that we say pre-inflation and we should we should probably talk about that in a minute, but that's, that's probably the long-term global average. And if we say for 30 years, so 9% a year for 30 years. 9% a year for 30 years. And what we've spoken about risk and fluctuation, if we look back at the last 50 years, there's only actually been one or two years that have hit that 9%. Most of them are like plus 20%, down 15%. But yep. if, when you average it out, that's where you get the 9%. So don't go into this expecting that every year you're going to get 9%. It will fluctuate, but long-term you'll hit that average. Okay, and then we'll say £100 a month again. If I calculate that... So you you will have put in thirty six thousand pounds over the time period it's saying, um, but you would have earned one hundred and forty eight thousand pounds in in additional gains on top of that. So that that would leave you with a total amount of one hundred and eighty four thousand from thirty six thousand pounds. And this is it's great. Yeah, with a simple investment essentially. I mean, if you scale the numbers, if you put two hundred, three hundred, the yeah. the numbers only get bigger. So. And it's quite easy to find one of those calculators as well. Just, uh, Just you, any of the investment platforms will have it. So you can really, it's so easy to compare like what, if you, you know, you can quite often put in your goals. This is what I want to invest per month. Um, this is my initial lump sum. And it can give you calculation on average return. So average might be something like five to 8%. On a very good year, it might be 9% plus. Or on a bad year, it might get like 2%. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So it really, obviously, as, as we say, it fluctuates. So that's... Um, yeah, it's a really good calculator actually to find one like yeah, that and I'll, really work out your goals. We'll link one in the show notes, but I think it's it's just that realization that with a hundred pounds a month, which you know, fifty pounds, whatever, that you could be in a position where actually just by saying that's getting put to one side, I've got hundreds of thousands of pounds in tax free cash at the end of it that I can, you know, do whatever I want with. I think it's quite powerful, really. Yeah, absolutely. Can you guess what the biggest learning has been from doing this podcast or even my YouTube channel? It's that the most important investment you can make is in you. So for me, my path to real wealth isn't through investing, it's by building this business. And that's why I'm happy that we're working with Hostinger. Hostinger help entrepreneurs, freelancers and side hustlers with their websites. My favourite thing is their AI website builder, which helps anyone create a professional website with zero coding experience. You just describe your goal in a couple of sentences and the AI creates a beautiful looking website just like magic. You can then customise it, use the AI assistant to generate SEO friendly text and even use their AI logo maker. It's fast, user friendly and of course what I like the best is it's great value for money. You can get website hosting in a free domain from £2.99 a month. So if you want a website, then check out Hostinger. And if you use the code making money, that's making money all one word, you'll get 10% off. And I've left a link in the description for you. Before I became a creator, I was a sales guy. I mean, I love selling. It's how I rebuilt my life after some wrong turns in my 20s. 
I also delivered Chinese takeaways on the side, but that was more fun money so I could go out on a night without feeling guilty. Sales was where the real money was at. And one tool that I found really useful was LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It's a sales intelligence platform that helps you identify and then get into conversations with high value customers so you can drive more revenue. You can use it to look for key signals like recent job changes, so you can find buyers who are most likely to convert. And because they've got a billion people on the platform, I mean, the chances are your targets are going to be on LinkedIn. Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date, first-party data so you can get into conversations with the people that matter. So if you want to give Sales Navigator a try, you can get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash upsell. That's linkedin.com slash U-P-S-E-L-L for a 60-day free trial. Let's talk about inflation then and, yeah. and kind of how this impacts all of it, really. Yeah. So, I mean, inflation is running high. If you've been watching the news, it's probably the one thing that keeps coming up and up and up. So it is essentially the price of goods and services. So if you are using energy lately, you will have, well, you will have noticed your energy bills. And as you keep turning those lights off, you will notice your food shopping's gone up. You're filling up your car. It's costing you a lot of money. Petrol prices may have come down a bit, but they're still quite high from the summer last year. So all this is really, you know, essentially denting household budgets. So, but the important message is if you're in a position to save, investing as far as I'm concerned has become a lot more important now because you're, you know, you want to be in a position where you're fighting that inflation as much as possible. You're not necessarily going to do that in a savings account where actually interest rates have gone up. So that's important to say as well. And they're great for short term savings, great for your emergency savings, which everyone, by the way, should have before they start investing. And that should be maybe like at three to six months of your annual income. And that's just a, mm. it sounds like that's a lot. That's a really good um, theory because we, we were thinking about whether you, you, half the time I save and then my savings end up going on like fixing an emergency. So you should have a, an emergency fund and then your, your long-term investments yeah. separately. And your emergency fund is, um, say, if your car breaks down, boiler breaks down, or if you've got a ceiling in the kitchen that's starting to leak like I have, um, you know, it's going to cost you a few thousand pounds to repair. It stops you fall there's you know reduces the risk of you falling into debt essentially and that's where that's when all the financial problems start and so anyone who's thinking about investing and listening to this think about your debts and think about your emergency fund first and uh, yeah and make sure you've got enough money to pay those important bills it should never be money that you want to use in the next few months weeks etc yeah so i want to be kinder to t now and, yeah. and uh, let's be nice to t thanks yeah. guys appreciate you <laughs> because if, if we're saying that you should diversify globally um through stocks and shares because you know no one really knows what's going to happen and it's good to spread it around then by the same logic shouldn't people diversify into other assets like cryptocurrencies you know it's would you say that as a diversification <laughs> is you, you can't ask me this. <laughs> no, you can. You can. Um, yeah, go and carry on. If we're saying we diversify across a broad part of companies because we don't understand what's going to happen long term and we want to spread our bets, then by the same logic, you should also include cryptocurrency and in that, shouldn't you? Because we don't know what's going to happen long term and we want to spread our bets. Yeah. So one thing important to remember, I suppose, is I'm quite boring and sensible when it comes to investing. Mm. I Everything that I've mentioned here is quite a sensible way to do it. With crypto, it's high risk. It's probably... Um, and with high risk comes 
not necessarily it's not regulated so it's also really mm. important that i would say if you are interested in diversifying into high risk assets like crypto let's say or you know if you want to get into fx trading these are all high risk strategies and you're more, more likely to lose money than you are to make it and um, i know that people have had a a good run they've had been lucky but there's equally people you don't hear people talking about the the bad luck survivorship that had. bias we yeah. just see the winners yeah because yeah. everyone on social media shouts yeah. about how much they made not how much yeah cost. no one's gonna go on and just say guys i lost my money and yeah. it was a lot you, you you do get stories that like that coming out but you don't see them as often as i've made so much money copy what i'm doing so i would say first and foremost maximize if you've maximized your isa you've got good emergency savings put away you're you're in a good shape you, you've cleared your debt and you've got enough money to pay your bills you're in a good position and you've got a little bit of pot, a pot of money that you're happy to what i'm going to call play money and you want to put it into crypto i would if someone said to me if you said to me t i've done all that i'm going to i've got a few thousand pounds i'm gonna i'll really want to put it into crypto that will be obviously that's up to you but you you do it I on the basis that you of your portfolio in you're securing every other yeah. way what i've seen in the past few years is people put money into crypto they've got debt they don't have any money in an iso stocks and shares iso here um, or even they don't have their emergency savings and that's where the trouble starts so if you were to do it, but you've got all that and you lost money in crypto, it's not going to be, you know, doom and gloom for, for you. For the record, for guys, the I'm not homeless. Life. I don't have a credit card and I have no debt, but I did lose a lot and of money. Done, and you've done well. Like, I've done, you've done well, well in well I, feel like, I feel like I put you down now here. No, so. it's, just, it's just easy. No, but you've done, you've done, you know, you've, you're, all your other boxes have been really sensible. Yeah. So you've, you've yeah. done something, but you know exactly what you were doing. Yeah. And I'll just say just, again goes back to cancelling that social media noise and forget the get rich quick idea that's just not what investing is about it's to me it's about building your long-term Long future and building it slowly over time so it's get consistent rich slowly and being consistent <laughs> and being consistent just like you know going to the gym yeah i mean i put i put most my money into a global index fund through an isa passively invest pensions and stuff but I, i'm going to admit to myself that i like i like the idea of getting rich quick so i still so have I. <laughs> yeah i have a little play on the side like you say so i probably have one percent of what i invest in cryptocurrency and then i have like ten percent of what i invest in individual companies again i've i've proved to myself consistently that i'm really bad at picking individual businesses <laughs> but i do think like you say as long as you've got the sensible stuff boxed off there is a bit of room to have a little bit of fun or to make it fun because it investing passively in index funds for 30 years is is a tedious process in a way isn't it yeah you know? absolutely so yeah i think you know do all the sensible things and then if you want to um then go and do something that's maybe what i might consider not so sensible fine you know i'm not here to say you, what you, you can ever, and can't do do you ever look at situations like uh when damien said um, the price of Google dropped 30% or I remember when the airlines all crashed in the pandemic, I saw like the price of BA and all of them, they went like completely down and it was clear that people were going to fly again one day. We weren't going to never fly again. So I bought loads of airline um, shares really cheap and then they all came up within like six to 12 months. Do you ever do anything like that? Like speculative, like look at something and say, this is very undervalued or do you just stick to your 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 strategy? Um I, I tend to do a bit of both. So it's all about taking opportunities. And again, it's, you know, you might say some stocks have been a bargain and there are bargain hunters out there. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Mm. But if 
it depends on how, you know, what level you're at with your investing. That's something that I would say, if you're just starting out, don't start thinking, well, where do I need to buy? Looking at bargains. Yeah. Just okay. get just get started and I just just get comfortable with it before you start doing all that stuff yeah. as well. And then over time, you might find that you're naturally reading, you know, reading stuff, you're reading the papers, you're reading what you're seeing online and, you know, you're listening to more podcasts about money and you're getting more and more ideas. But I think if... The key thing is just to get started and just to get comfortable. I think it's really important that you get comfortable in the right way. A bit like maybe when you, you go swimming and you need, well, I don't know, you might say the deep end's the best, but- You don't want to jump you, in the ocean when you're just learning to swim. You want yeah, to start in the you, shallow end of a pool and then- Just get comfortable with what get you're your doing. Get your armbands on, Yeah, before you around. start And be comfortable with the fact that it's, it's for the long term. Definitely get comfortable with that. And I feel, I feel like the last few years have been such a testing time for yeah. people that started investing. Yeah. There will have been people if they started in the pandemic and like really would have, thought, why am I doing this? My, my, my parents were right sort of thing. Swinging it back to my dad, actually. I did actually get him investing. Um, he was almost 70 by the time he started investing. And that's just like a, year, a couple of years ago. And um, he was like, oh, these interest rates are really bad. And and I was like, oh, can I just open an investment account for you? And he let me do it and he was okay. And then, you know, the stock markets went down a bit and then he was not okay with it. And he hasn't, I've just told you, look, the, another thing I feel like psychologically don't look at, if you've got an app to your investment account, just don't keep looking at it because you will start getting a complex around it and start losing sleep. And if you're losing sleep over it, I'd say you're just not ready. So if it, do you say he was 70 when he started, started investing? Almost 70, yeah. So I don't want to be morbid here, right? But we're saying invest long-term and the, it's widely accepted five to 10 years is like, the, that's where long-term starts beyond five years. How are you convincing your dad? You know, like, you <laughs> just got to took this away for 30 years. And oh like, yeah, you just took it away. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, no, you're right. It is the young you start the better right so i really wanted to just prove a point to him yeah. <laughs> that you can invest and let your money grow and the world so it's end. it's yeah. a little bit of savings that he just wanted to tuck away and for his grandchildren etc so i didn't want him leaving it in a just an ordinary savings account however he, so he's viewing long term yeah. beyond him he's for the next yeah. generations which yeah is exactly so wealth great. you know wealth is generational yeah. right so it's something that i feel like, you know, you, people invest for their children. And mm. I, I mean, I have a junior ISA for my children, but yeah. I don't put much money into it because I think it's important as a parent, I look after myself first. And then, you know, because junior ISA, the money gets locked in and that's it. And I don't know what they're going to do with it when they're 18, you know, blow it all. So I'd rather focus on their financial education. So when they are handed any kind of wealth, is they know exactly what to do with it rather than blow the lot, which is always a risk yeah. for children. And so, yeah, it's, um, but you know, I, for my dad, yeah, it was just me trying to prove a point first and foremost, without a doubt. Just had but to... now he's on side he's, and it is for him. He's kind of on side. It's only been a couple of years. So we're still playing that long-term game. When, when, did you, when did you start teaching your children about investing? Because we don't teach, they don't teach it in school. They don't teach tax or investing, which I think are the two most important <laughs> things they should teach us in school so we can do our taxes and we can make money. But when, when do you, I just, I've just had a, a two month old now. When did you start teaching your kids about investing? So, um, it's really important you start talking to your children about money like three or four years old. I wasn't talking to them about investing when they were three or four years old. I've actually just written a children's book about money as well. So by default, um, my husband's also a financial journalist. So by default in my household, we're always talking about money. They know what pensions is and they know they're going to start their pension early. And actually anyone listening to this, just remember if you've got a pension, you're actually already investing. And I think, like, yeah, just start three as young four. as- 
Uh, my parents didn't talk we didn't even talk no, about money no, in our no, houses growing up you just never because you just never talk about it even if they had money problems or they made loads of money you, we didn't know as kids they yes. just never talked about it they're like we don't talk about money in this household it's like that's it yeah but yeah. We, we really there should be there is that taboo and yeah. it needs to be broken and actually I think it's okay to talk to children about money even if it's just showing them money to be honest they don't take much interest in you know the investing side of things but they're definitely interested in the money and the history of it and how you can use anything almost as a payment for children. Yeah. So there's this um, huge buzz at the moment going around a certain drink. And, I've got two uh, cans. I've got two cans in my bag. I'll buy one it's of like you for 20 quid. Oh, no. They're selling them for ridiculous amounts. Literally, well, I saw them. I was like, I, I had to hand over 20 pounds for two cans just to make myself oh, happy. Oh, Damien. I know, but you know. You? <laughs> you not to, are you not going to drink <laughs> it, right? Yeah, no, oh, no. I'll be, oh, good. I'm going to give it to my son. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. No. Is he going to drink it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll probably go to school and sell it to someone. Well, this is it. Okay, so I'm just going to go there. So, so that certain drink has been causing so many problems. But I feel like this is such a good opportunity here to talk to your kids about money, right? Yeah. So, I, so my nephew, for example, like, oh, is, can, can we go to so and so? Should I go and buy some prime? So, Asda, two pounds, right? And I was like, would you like it? And he's like, oh no, I'm taking it to school to sell. And I thought, that's entrepreneurship. You've, you're going to go somewhere in yeah. life. And I was like, the kids that buy it for two pounds and then drink it, nah. <laughs> the kids that buy it for 20 yeah, pounds, no. <laughs> so this is a real money lesson here, actually. It is, right? It's it's getting them to think a little bit differently about how you're going to spend your money. How can you make more money? So I actually, I, I, I think things like that, just bringing it into everyday life conversations. I remember when I was writing my children's book and... There's, you know, I write about entrepreneurs in there and just sort of um, re making it relatable to children is so important. But I feel like that is the generation that, you know, they're growing up not knowing enough. We, we, we go into adulthood knowing about, we know how to get into debt, don't we? We do that. No one tells us about it. We just manage to do it. We don't know anything about credit ratings or anything like that. How to, you know, how to look after your credit score. But no one actually tells you how to do things the right way. So... I feel like children, yeah, absolutely. All the young ones, get them to to start talking about young adults as well. Anyone, everyone. I mean, I'm going to talk about money to everyone, but I feel like the prime drink is definitely a good conversation sparker with children. It's like, is it really worth spending £20 on this? But £2, yes, but you know, you can sell it for £20, you know. It's, it's the same with... Uh Pokemon cards like my son has them and he's like oh this one's worth this much and I'm like yeah but why is it worth that and he's like because it is and I'm like yeah but why and he's like well that's what people will pay for it and then you can have that conversation around like value yeah. and how we place value on things and like you know why is this piece of because he 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 thinks like he's like well money grows on trees it's made out of paper like, <laughs> you know actually it's not <laughs> yeah but I say I say this I'm like well actually it's it's not um but then he'll value a Pokemon card beyond that. And I'm like, what is the difference here? And you can see the cogs turning. And if you can bring it back to their own life and the things in Definitely, their life that yeah. they like, you, you can teach them those lessons around value and stuff. Yeah, and, and it comes back to adults as well, actually, the want versus needs. And it's that's just, you know, generally everyday money. But I always feel like everyone's goal is they want to make more. They want to do more. They want to stop working for their money. Like you get, so I hear so many people, I want to quit my nine to five or whatever it is they're doing. But actually, what are you doing to be enable you to do that? Investing is obviously that journey there. And so like, yeah, it's just what people, how they perceive things and what they want to do. And yeah, so and it starts at a young age. It starts at a young age.
Speaking of people, other people, we've got some questions from um, my audience that we're just okay. going to play out and then we'll, we'll see if we can answer them. We've got two here. We've got Rianne first. I'm currently 40 and want to retire when I reach 55. How can I do that? Okay, interesting. I love the retire early goal. Um, that's a, quite a common goal, actually. First things first is, although we've spoken about investing and opening your own investment accounts, maximize your... Um, pension opportunities mm. so if he's already working and you've got an employer pension fund so when you put money into a pension fund at work your employer also puts money into it so if you pay in they pay in that is free money and i would say do not leave that free money on the table it, i'm shocked if someone is employed and they opt out their pension fund okay so that's important and then just really just put away the, the thing about retiring early it just depends on how much you're willing to put away and what kind of lifestyle you're living now. There is this movement called FIRE. fire yeah. And um, so with FIRE, you, you live quite an extreme lifestyle for some of these guys. They live, you know, they got back on so much. So it depends on getting that. For me, it's getting the balance right. Extremely like conservative Frugal. lifestyle. Frugal. Yeah. Oh, so I live very... the same lifestyle the other way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't you know the extreme lifestyle. on fire, No, I'm not frugal. I don't, even, I don't know the meaning of the word frugal. frugal. Like, <laughs> and it depends how frugal you want to be. Me personally, uh, I'm too much of a princess to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, me too. I'm not, I'm, I, I like <laughs> to have that balance. So I'm quite happy to be able to put something away comfortably, but live comfortably now as well. Yeah. And, but it's for, it, just whatever works for you. So it's working out what, how much you're willing to put away, but also if he's 40 looking to retire early at 55 ish. He's going to um, need a high savings rate. He's going to, yeah, he's, you're going to be able want to put quite a lot away. So five is putting a lot of your salary into savings so yeah. you can retire earlier. Yeah, well, yeah. If, if but you, maximizing your pension as well because yeah. that's free money that you're getting. That's going to well. help you get there. The pension it, is the, the quite because that's the main part of. Yeah. The if you want to start working at 55 and you plan on living till 85, 90, you're going to have a whole long big period. Time. One mistake that I would say people in Rianne's position make is not asking how much I'm going to need. Like they, yep. they approach it from a, I want to retire at 55 and that's the goal, but they don't actually go, what will I need yeah, to retire so at 55? There are some actually, so it's working out actually, that's a really good point. So what what kind of lifestyle do you want mm. when you retire? So if you're retiring early, so I like to think of it as going to hairdressers, you know, if you're just going to having your hair cut at, you know, a little local supercuts, super cuts, that's it. And if you're happy, I don't even know if super cuts, maybe you can go down a level. I don't know where you know, go when you're done. I don't know. What do you know? Do you want, do you want to be able to have holidays and weekend breaks or mm. do you want to just, you're quite happy to just, you know, hang around at home. So first determine the lifestyle that you want when you retire early. How much is that lifestyle going to cost you? And then work out what you need to save. How much do I need for retirement? They're really important figures. Yeah, we got Lisa now. Let's see what Lisa's got to say. Hi, my name is Lisa. I live in London. When you were starting out and looking to invest, what were the resources or the different platforms or et cetera that you went to to make yourself knowledgeable in kind of that first step that you took? Really interesting. And actually, I've got a little bit of a story here. So the first time I invested was actually probably not, because often I would go to my dad and ask him what to do. And he wouldn't tell me in this. So I just sort of started out in my uh, financial journalism career. And I decided a year later, I wanted to take a sabbatical. And I'd been saving up for this sabbatical, I wanted to go backpacking. 
And I told myself, well, I can't take all my money that I've saved because I'm going to come back to nothing. And I'm just one of those people I like security and it makes me quite anxious when I feel like I might come back to nothing. So I thought, oh, so I just literally walked into High Street Bank at the time, which did have a stocks and shares ISO. And I just put it into a tracker fund and I actually didn't know what I was doing. I still have that tracker fund and it has grown threefold. So I'm quite happy. It wasn't a huge amount, um, but you know, the growth has been good and I've just left it there. I don't even pay into it, to be honest. Like it's just there. It's, um, and that, so it was actually by fluke, but the, the key thing for me was just, just do it. Like don't overthink it because you'll never get it done otherwise. And you know, as I said, time is money. And, but so, but then as I moved on from that, I've started, um, there's so many platforms out there. And so I, 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 I pick my own funds. I, I'm confident in doing that, but I've also invested with a robo-advisor. I've opened accounts um, for family members, helped them open a robo-advisor platform. So I've done a mixed bag of things. And so it really comes down to like experience, confidence and understanding. But the very first time was definitely, I'm not going to lie, it was a fluke, but the key thing was I just got on with it and I'll, you know, so you think a robo advisor is probably a good start for most uh, people? For most people, I would I would say yeah. I'd say they're a really great way for anyone to get started with investing. So definitely not crypto. <laughs> um, so <laughs> robo advisor, essentially the platform you you sign sign up to one, and I would always say if you haven't got a stocks and shares ISO, always start with that because it gives you a tax free wrapper, and you essentially go. I call it a little gamification process. You ask they ask you a whole load of questions to assess your attitude to risk. And as you won't even know you're you're being assessed in a way. And depending on your answers, it will essentially create a portfolio for you. And then all you have to do is set a monthly amount and pay into it. It is a slow process and investing is something that you should only ever do for the long term. And actually, I haven't, there's a, you know, there's one, it depends on, you know, what I was saying earlier about if people were saying, you know, I don't have a lot of money, there is actually one app that's a money box and what you just it actually just rounds up your loose change and sticks it investing for you that's a great way to get started i i hear fellow journalists coming up to me and saying oh that was a good good way to get just get started and after that you build confidence you move on you keep going up to the next level so but for me personally yeah, i totally fluked it but i'm glad i did it was like you know the one thing with robo advisors is though i think they, they can be quite expensive you know because they charge like i mean I don't, i'm not going to quote fees on specific platforms but if they're like a pound a month and you're rounding up only 20 pounds you're actually yeah. taking a big hit so what i would encourage people to do is if they're doing the robo investors is don't get too comfortable there. Like you say, get started. Definitely don't get comfortable. And then, and then you can look and go, okay, what's after this? Because when you look at what they do, they just take your money and put it into index funds typically. Yeah. So you can then look at what they're investing and go to it yourself. But yeah. it's a great way to start, but I wouldn't want to hold. I like, would rhythm. definitely, like, yeah, I would say it's a great way to start to get comfortable. Time. Don't, once you start building that confidence, I would just, and when you've got more money, um, you want to start moving it onto different platforms. And, but yeah, but if you are going to go on TikTok and start taking investment advice, that's that's where the red flags are, I'd say. Be, you know, follow people and follow journalists and read things and start learning. It's, it, there is an element that you have to take responsibility of some sort of element of learning with this, without a doubt. Yeah, and look at some of the books that have, that have stood the test of time because yeah. what people think that investing changes, but the investing that we're talking about here, the index fund investing has been the same message for decades now. And I yep. think if you look at the, that's where I started because when it was like 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't did online resources in the same capacity. It was just good quality books. Yeah. And it, investing is just so accessible now. It's unbelievably, everyone can do it. I'm so everyone. anti-financial advisors, even though they do great work. 
I just don't agree with paying someone to help you me make need, money. Yeah, yeah I you think don't you, need a financial advisor. Time, but for this style of investing, you don't. Yeah, if you right. have the time, you should go and look and yeah. do your research, just watch the videos. Yeah. Like you said, do some reading and then make your decision. If you're just doing some everyday, well, you know, it's investing, you don't need to think about going to see a financial advisor. You don't need a financial advisor to open a stocks and shares ISA. Exactly, you yeah. don't need that. Well, I don't, yeah. So that's actually a really good point. If you've got significant wealth, you might be inherited some, for example, then you might want to see tax a financial advisor, and and tax planning, stuff, yeah. making sure it's actually invested in the right places. Totally different ballgame there. That's definitely not where we're going with this. Yeah. So I'd like to sum it up then, because I think that's that's a good point that really investing is something that everyone should do because we want to beat inflation. We want to build long-term wealth and the stock market is great for doing that long term. You you accept risk when you do that, but you can minimize that risk through diversification, which is just buying lots of different companies at once. And we can do that with things called index funds and all they simply are, are a list of companies and the fund is a pot of money that, that tracks that list. You could pick say America or England, or you could just buy the whole world, which is <laughs> what I do because then I don't have yeah, to worry you about can. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it's important of just framing this as a long-term thing, something that's five, 10 years and accepting there's going to be fluctuations within that. And then in the rest of your life, building out your finances. So you've got a pot of emergency cash, you've got a cash ISA that you're saving for a wedding for, or a ISA for a house or whatever. And seeing this as, you know, this is my money that's going to change my life long-term rather than something that yep. I'm going to lean on in the next two years. Summed up beautifully. Anything else you want to add to that? No. And I would just say, just invest now. <laughs> you invest know, now. It's just do it. Yeah. Like don't, don't hold yourself back if you don't need to. I'm going to say you should hit the buzzer because it's sat there the whole time and no one's done it. So could you, there you go. I there you really go. enjoyed that. <laughs> very satisfying, isn't that it? That's very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. If you want a summary of the key learnings and next steps from today's video, then just subscribe to our newsletter in the description. But here are some of the big things to remember. Investing can be really simple, at least how I do it is anyway. And that's how Kalpana suggests doing it too. Investing in an index fund rather than just trying to beat the market. Because to be honest, most of the people who try and do that anyway fail long term. A global index fund is what I normally invest in. All that means is it buys businesses from all over the world through one investment. So how do you do that? Well, first for me, I'd be doing it through a stocks and shares ISA. We'll talk about those next episode, but just think of it as an account that your investments sit in. You can get them through banks or investment platforms. There's loads to choose from. Obviously, please do your own homework though and find out what's best for you. But to help you, we've also linked some articles that might help just in the newsletter and a video of mine where I give my thoughts on who I think are the best platforms in the UK this year. If you invest even a little every month over the long term, then you're putting yourself in a good position. Just try and remember to resist the urge to look at the short-term performance. You need to be in this for the long haul. Your money is always at risk, but it's normal for the markets to go up and down short-term. And historically, over the long run, the markets have always risen. This isn't financial advice. Everyone's financial situation is unique. So although we can sit here and talk about the principles of managing money better, it's not advice because it's not tailored to you. If you want personal financial advice, you need to speak to an advisor. I'm Damien Jordan, and I hosted this episode with my great mate, Tamena Kerale. The episode was recorded by Jack Hobbs and edited by Johnny Hunter. Music is by Felix Taylor. It was produced by Ruth Edwards. And there's this other guy called Will Stolomon who's involved. No one knows why, but he's got a lovely dog called Toothless.
Quick question for me and the Making Money team. Would you like us to come into your workplace to teach you and your colleagues more about personal finance? It's an absolute joke that we're not taught what to do with money, and this knowledge gap makes most people much poorer over their lifetimes. Take your work-based pension. Most people have no idea what the fund they're invested in does, and plenty of people just opt out altogether. We can cover whatever is most important, from the basics to complex financial retirement planning supported by qualified financial advisors who are not there to sell you anything. We take different approaches for different people in a company depending on stuff like their age or their income. If you think people you work with could benefit from financial education, then please email will at getmost.co.uk. It doesn't matter what your role is in the business, we want to hear from you. So email will at getmost.co.uk. And I've left a link in the description for you. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.